0: Welcome back to She Can Talk the Podcast. I'm your host, Colleen, aka Gangali MC on Instagram or Colleen Eat Wings on Instagram. Also, we do have a She Can Talk the Podcast where you can check up various links to other episodes. Or you could just keep it simple and go over to www.doerecords.com. That's doerecords.com where you can see links to all of the podcast episodes, links to all of the Instagram pages. If you want to submit your music for consideration to the label, there's links up there as well for contact. Or if you want to book Ganguly for a show, or interview, whatever, or if you would like to be booked on the podcast, feel free to go over to doerecords.com hit the contact link and we will be back in touch more than likely be me but either way how you guys doing okay so i'm gonna jump right into it because this one's a different little episode here i'm trying something different within the she can talk podcast series so you know over the last couple of years i have dabbled in um true crime episodes so i said you know what i'm gonna actually do a series so like My goal is to bring you at least once or twice a month. Goal to bring it up to once or twice a week, maybe, depending on how much I find data, about different urban celebrities that was basically wrapped up into some type of big headline crime. So the topic, as you can see from here, is called Urban Celebrity Crime Series, okay? And this is episode one under She Can Talk, and we are going to talk about High Five, um yeah so there you go we're gonna start there I just wanted to jump into it get over it because this is you know really not a personal episode we're kind of gonna talk about some things all righty so what motivated me for starters to talk about high five and to actually start this series with high five was because I don't know um I've first of all I'm a 90s kid you know what i'm saying i grew up on high five that song the kissing game i loved it i love new edition right which new edition was like a little bit older than me but i loved them so high five looked like ralph Tresvin like they look like new edition like younger versions of new edition so i loved them you know they had like the kissing game they had um a lot of songs, a lot of ballads, um, but that was my favorite that I could really remember that stuck out. It's a classic. As soon as you hear the song, you feel like it instantly puts you back, like, you know, I'm from New York, so it instantly puts you back to, like, block party vibes, you know, summertime, you know, at your grandma's house, riding your bike, and, you know, just, like, barbecue, grills you know, the vibes of the 90s as a kid, carefree, no taxes or mortgages, etc. So yeah, so they have a place in my heart. You know, I'm truly a hi-fi fan from Door, and I was younger, and we didn't have the internet then, so when you heard certain things, like when the lead singer, Tony Thompson, passed away, you were like, oh, man, and you couldn't really even wrap your head around all of the details, and I didn't mean to just jump right into that with Tony Thompson, but yeah, we're going to start there. We're going to touch on a couple of um, group members on this particular episode, because I come across some very interesting things. Um, And I was like, wow. And just in case, you know, you're like myself and you're not like, you know, actively seeking out where are they now episodes or Googling your favorite childhood stars or celebrities, you might not have been in the loop like myself. So I thought it was, you know, sad and tragic, but also at the same time, I thought it was interesting, you know, to, uh, interesting thing to share with my audience like for example still to this day the episode I did about Marvin Gaye allegedly being a serial killer is still one of my top streaming episodes if you are new to the She Can Talk podcast series feel free to go back um check it out very interesting very insightful because I didn't know about it but anyway so I wanted to continue on that you know, and do and drop like one or two episodes out of the norm of what I normally do for you all on this here platform. So I wanted to start this series here with high five. And I was like, okay, let me um to be honest with you, I did not like say, Hey, I'm gonna research high five or whatever. I just came across some information you know, a couple of weeks ago and started going down a rabbit hole. And I was like, I did not know I knew bits and pieces of it. Because of course, you know, in the 90s, we did not have access to information like we do today. And we did not have things like, you know, um, the internet, of course, you know, social media platforms, of course. So when something happens in real time, right now, even if you're in different time zones or different continents, you can get it almost simultaneously like everyone else because of the internet, because of all of the social media platforms. So we have that advantage present day, whereas in the nineties, you know, we didn't, we were kids and you know, you hear it on the news or it on the radio, they'll play a couple of the songs for dedication and you're like, Oh man, that's sad. What happened? And then you might come across an article or two you know, that briefly tells you what happened, but you're like, what? I, that still doesn't make any sense. So let me just go down the, you know, let's start with the origin. So Waco, Texas is where they started out. Majority of the group, except for like one member, I believe was from the Bronx, New York, but um, majority of the group and the actual founder, creator of the group, who was a man named William Walton, created um, high five in Waco, Texas. They're all from Waco. So William Walton initially, you know, recruited Tony, Th- Tony Thompson. Tony Thompson, um, is their lead singer. He is the main crooner that you hear on, um, high five on kissing game. He gives me a vibe between like Tevin Campbell of those days and Ralph Tresvin, right. Is like, if you put them two together, like morph them into a person, you would kind of get like Tony Thompson with dimples, good looking guy, good looking kid, because they were all young. I, 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 At the time when the songs dropped, I don't believe any of the members were older than 17 years old. That's right. I don't ever think anyone was 18 during that time frame. But nonetheless, um, they were a very successful group in the late 80s, early 90s, had a lot of hits, the girls loved them, myself included, had crushes on them. You know, if you had like the pinup magazines, because that's what we did in those times, we would post them up on the wall, you know, stuff like that. So yeah, we loved High Five. You know, they was definitely a group that we was checking for in New York. Actually, I'm surprised to know that they're from Waco, Texas, because we rocked them in New York. And also, it makes sense because they did have connections to the Bronx, you know. Um, so it kind of makes sense. But New York was on it. Like, New York loved High Five. And then as I traveled, I seen that it wasn't just a New York thing. Everyone loved High Five. Because, like I said, it still jams. Like, The Kissing Game, for, sh- for example is a jam that you could still play to this day, like at the right barbecue, at the right block party, at the right time, good weather. And everyone's going to appreciate it, even if they're hearing it for the first time. You know, it's just a good vibe, which you already know how I do. I'm going to dedicate the end of this episode by playing the kissing game, just in case y'all never heard it. All right, so there we go. But um, let's go down the list. So, you know, the group started out in... 88, 89, Tony Thompson was the original lead singer of the group. They recruited other members. Now, I'm not going to lie to you and sit here and go through all of the members because, um, and, and I'm not going to say, hey, you know, they don't matter, but they're not relevant to this episode. This is called the celeb- Urban Celebrity Crime Series. So we're going to keep it around people that kind of had like, run-ins or negative infractions in but they were celebrities in the urban market so there you go so with that being said um, going through some of the group members I'm going to go from the lightest infraction to the most craziest most damaging infraction right So we're going to start out, original group members, they had um, Russell Neal, Tony Thompson, Toriano, Marcus Sanderson, I'm missing one, and like I said, William Walton was the original manager, creator, founder, he curated the whole team, so originally, Toriano was one of the first artists or one of the first members of the group to go run into infractions. He was 16 in 1990, shot, I don't know if he killed, but I feel like he did, shot and killed an acquaintance. I have question marks around acquaintance on my nose because that's weird. They, it is nothing of saying like, hey, you know, this was a gang member affiliate. Like if he wasn't a gang, I'm not saying he was. I'm just saying like there was no much... Clarity. There was not much, I should say, clarity to the acquaintance. So I put a question mark around that. And then, you know, moving forward into present day times, you know, anything could happen. But I don't want to insinuate that or whatever. So we're just going to – I'm going to read it the way it is. So it was shot and assault – well, excuse me, he shot and I believe killed an acquaintance. Being that he was not even 17 years old when this happened, but the group was kind of like on their come up. Like they were performing – People in Houston knew who they were. Um, people in Texas knew who they were, and their their name was bubbling. It was actually meeting with record labels at this time. So when this happened, labels was like, "Hey." He's out the group, obviously, and um, it wasn't even like a no-brainer. It, it wasn't even an option, I should say, because what happened was he was 16 years old when he committed this crime, so he did not get life. He did was not tried as an adult, but he did get six years in prison. So he was in prison from 16 to about 23, 24 years old. Now, he did have other infractions or run-ins as, he's, as he became an adult. I'm not going to go into that. I feel like everyone has the ability to perform. If you were a child, if you had infractions or things that landed you in adult-like situations as a child, is a major setback when you're trying to get back on your feet as an adult, thrust into a world that you were never able to successfully transition from child to adulthood it can be hard. So I'm not gonna go into all of the details, but I'll just give you a quick r- listing of Toriano. Cause like I said, I'm going from the lighter ones to the crazies. So he's the lighter one and here we go. So he shot and killed someone at 16, did six years in jail, came out, did a hit and run, like which was a very bad hit and run. He had some drug charges, assault charges, and child support charges. So that's a listing behind him, not to like say like hey, this guy's a bad guy, but it's just to say, Hey, he had his run of the bad luck mill from a teenager. So, I wish him the best out there whatever he's up to, whatever he's doing and hopefully he's reformed and been able to like survive that and tell a positive story and come out on top. So, I'm not going to hold it against him or try to rehash out anyone's history. This episode is more so just what it is, a celebrity crime and we're going to get into it. So, um this one really wasn't a crime, right? Um but it was tragic, nonetheless. And that was the lead singer, Tony Thompson. His voice was beautiful. Like I said, he was good-looking, dimpled, looked look like a cross between Tevi Campbell and and Ralph Tresvent. Just gave you that heartthrob, new addition, you know, vibe, right? So he was a good singer, good performer. Like, the girls loved him. And he apparently battled drugs, he had, like, a lot of um, addictions and bad habits, and it caught up with him. Now, the story gets crazy, so I don't know if he was, like, in, like addicted to Freon, or if it was, like, a suicide attempt. I don't know. Like, so I don't want to go there and say, like, this is what happened. But they found him dead behind a Waco apartment building in 2007, and... They said when they did his autopsy, he was overdosed. He had lethal amounts of Freon in his system. So I'm like, I don't know if he was drinking it or inhaling it, trying to get a type of high. I don't know. I've never heard of anything like that. If any of you out there have heard of that or got more clarity on what happened to him, you know, because I just think it's sad. Like that was very tragic you know, but, um, if you have some more detail on that, feel free to share because I don't want to like assume or whatever. I'm just going on based on the information that was told. So yeah, like I said, we're going from the lightest to the most harsh. I'm going to spend majority of this episode on the next, um, member. But before I go there, I want to say like, um, I feel like this, I feel like you see a lot of, these sad stories with children, or child celebrities, I should say, who are not managed properly, or maybe they're, you know, like, for example, they're parents were also victims versus being like level headed business people. So for example, even though you're gonna hear a story about everything. Like you heard about the Jacksons, you know, saying how abusive Joe Jackson was, but you did see the success of it, right? Um, you see you hear how they say, you know, Matthew Knowles is very stern. He had Destiny's child like working and running in heels, practicing vocals. But look at his daughter and you see the success like you reap the rewards of the seeds you sow right so at the same time pushing children into situations where you're not as an adult as a parent as the ch- the caretaker of the child if you're not equipped professionally emotionally you know you know just mentally, to handle the business side of the entertainment situation, it can be horrible not only for you but definitely for that child, right? We've seen instances where Gary Coleman started out as a young child. He was a child that had, you know, medical issues. So off the rip, it lets me as an adult think, and I don't have no facts on this. This is just my assumptions, but it lets me, leads me to believe that the um. It was a great candidate to hire him. A, he was a cute kid, right? But if he has a lot of medical issues, these paychecks can help his family out. They could really use it. So I don't see why they wouldn't allow him to be on the show, et cetera. He started out commercials, he was acting, and that was a great way to offset his medical bills, right? So however it went down, he had a successful career. But because he was in entertainment since a child, you know, and his parents treated him more so like an equal versus a parent and still not put in those, you know, and this is all allegedly, this is just what I'm, it's leading me to believe observing Gary Coleman, which he may be an episode up here as well. But um, yeah, it's just, I've seen that where parents, it goes wrong with celebrity kids, like children. And their parents, and I've seen where it has worked for the best, you know, based on the parent, based on their knowledge, based on their business savviness, and their emotional intelligence, right? All of that plays a factor. So I'm not going to say I know anything about any of these guys in high five, like their parents' history, which is crazy because, like, you can... You, it's really tight lip out there, and I was really looking around. And like I said, it could be because this group comes from a different era, pre-internet era. So maybe that's another reason why it might be a little bit harder to find more in-depth details about their parents, like their personalities. Like, was there any um, dysfunctionalities in the home? Was there abuse? Was there domestic violence? You know, stuff like that. But um, you can't really find anything you can't at all. But what I will say is this Waco, Texas, right? Um, I was watching one of the videos and someone said nothing. And, and Waco, Texas, don't shoot me. I'm just a messenger. I'm not sh- throwing no shots or hating. But it's just I guess the legacy of the story with high five and their history, as well as you have like David Koresh from Waco, Texas. So When you think of Waco, you don't really think of positive things. And I know that's probably bad for the people that live there and experience positive things every day. I'm not taking anything away from your hometown, your lifestyle, anything. But word on the curb is they say people that come from Waco are wacko. So I don't know. You figure that out. I just am relaying the message. That's it. But um, I thought it was interesting, you know, because it was a lot of, just as you look into Waco, like, you know, if I was to go state by state, I'm pretty sure some states would give me more. And then, you know, Waco's in Texas, so Texas will probably give me a lot. But Waco's a very interesting little town. And a lot of interesting stories have made major headlines out of Waco, Texas. So I'll just leave it at that. But, um, so yeah, so for these guys to be an R and B black urban R and B group out of Waco, Texas, that blows my mind. Cause I, that was newfound information to me. I didn't even know they were from Texas. Right. So there you go. So I feel like that might've played a big part in a lot of their tragedy was they were able to be successful before the age of 18. All right. So when your children and I say this all the time, when you're young and you could be so convicted in like so, as far as what you like, what you believe, your spiritual beliefs, your friends, your diet, um, it could be so many different things that you would stand by 100 percent at like 16, 17 years old that you would definitely change at 26 and then revisit that at 46 and you'll be like, what the hell was I thinking? I was freaking crazy as a kid right so and that's okay it's a we as humans are allowed to grow and change discover ourselves and determine what we like right so i don't hold it against the kids but what i do say is i can see where the lines can get crossed early out whereas in regular just the growth life cycle of a child to an adult you go through like hey I've been, you know, taken care of by my parents. I had to venture out to college. I had to venture out to my first job, get my first apartment, you know, find my first serious relationship or it found me, you know what I'm saying. Then you'd go on from there and you progress into adulthood, right? But if you're like 15, 16 and your salary is basically you're you're retiring your parents at 15 and 16, that can be a dangerous thing if there are not business and emotionally intelligent, savvy people around you, right? If your camp is just like, hey, this is our cash cow, I'm grabbing and eating, then the, it could be repercussions to that, right? But if there is a thing where they're like, okay, we're here, no, we want you to be able to live for a long time we want you to be able to make investments make sound decisions so we're still going to treat you as you know your age and put you on certain restrictions and allow you to do certain things as a regular kid your age would do i think that would still have gave them and i'm not just talking about high five but i am but i think it would have gave them a little bit of normalcy you know as a child but it looks clearly a like, lot clearly like um you know, the, they had groupies that were older than them, you know, because, for example, even Tony Thompson, his mo- the mother of his only child is older than him by like two or three years. He was 15 years old when he had that baby. Then that's something that we don't really talk about is teenage pregnancies for fathers. You know, like you think about like how bad it sounds like a 15 year old girl is pregnant. But then what about in the reverse when it's like an older girl getting pregnant for a 15-year-old guy? That's a deep topic, but that's not what this episode's about. All All I'm trying to say, and the point I'm trying to prove is that they were young kids that were forced to live adult lives early, right? So if you start out the gate making hundreds of thousands for shows, buying your parents' $100,000 $100,000 homes, you know, flashing and dashing and having money at your disposal. If things change and you're not able to adapt or you weren't able to prepare, it can be a such a hard fall from grace, right? And it could be a devastating blow of reality to whoever is experiencing that. We've seen that happen with the children from different strokes, which is why I bring up Gary Coleman all the time, right? Because we've seen what happened to Kimberly, a.k.a. Dana Plato, and, you know, Arnold, a.k.a. Gary Coleman, and even Todd Bridges. Even though he has made a, you know, a, a 360 on his life, and he's, last I heard he was doing good and, you know, doing better and still acting, et cetera. But even him, he had a little bout with drugs and everything coming off of that childhood celebrity and success at an early age. So I think that's what happened also with High Five. All right, so we're going to segue into the biggest, the biggest tragedies of this group. And um, if there's more, guys, correct me. I am open to corrections because I am just giving you facts. So this is not like anything really allegedly. But when I will insert my opinions like I have been doing throughout this episode, I will say... I, it's led me to believe or I believe or it's my opinion to let you clearly know that this is not fact. This is just me inserting my opinion. And we all have our right to our opinion. I'm not in any way trying to bash or create a negative effect for the victims, the families or the families of either sides. Right. I'm just sharing interesting celebrity crime news so there you go and all of this stuff you can google it because there's other shows that went into deep episodes like deep in depth like spoke with the police officers the crime reports the crime scenes the pictures crazy so i'm not really going there and that's why i didn't even go through all of the other ones in depth but this one i'm gonna touch a little bit more on because this is fucking crazy excuse my language but anyway so Russell Neal is the last member of High Five that I will be talking about on this episode. As soon as I said that name, a lot of you are probably like, oh yeah, we know exactly what you're talking about. And it was so crazy is it was recent within this decade. So this happened in 2014. Okay. And then we're going to back up a little bit you know, to 2010. So we'll go back to that as well. But right now, we're going to go back to 2014. Russell Neal, he is one of the members of High Five, one of the original members of High Five, right? Um, good looking. I always thought that Russell... And Tony Thompson favored each other. So here am I. I'm young. I'm a kid. So I'm like, they're brothers, you know, because they were both cute to me. So in my opinion, those are the the two standouts for me, right? I loved, I loved Ralph Tresvent, as you can see, from New Edition. So anything that gave me that clean-cut, man-with-sensitivity vibe, I was on it. Like, And these two kind of gave me that vibe. But thank God I was... I was admiring them from afar because I clearly did not have good judgment. But anyway, so um, Russell Neal, this is all after the High Five heyday, right? So right at the peak of High Five, the kissing game is popping. They got a couple of other slow jams out there. I can't wait another minute for your love, unconditional love. Like they have all these just ballads beautiful music coming from these young boys right out he demands more money and he's you know gets into that legal ramblings with his manager with the label and they're like hey tony is the lead singer like dude you're getting your fair cut it's also other things like recoup. And we know about business with recoup. So, you know, it's other things of So we cannot possibly increase you. So he said, okay, well, give me more spotlight so I can get more money. They said, it's just not possible. He ultimately said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave the group. Because I guess he felt at the time, leaving the group, his absence would be impactful to the group, but it wasn't. They actually replaced them with two other members because like I said, Torriano, he had his run ins and he couldn't come back, so they replaced him. Then um it was a couple of others in between there. It was a Tristan in there I believe as well. Um I don't know if it was Tristan that came from the Bronx, but it was a couple of replacements. So there you go. When Russell said he's leaving you know, a couple of other replacements were available for them. So he thought Russell Neal believed that it was going to benefit him to go solo and that he was gonna have like a successful career. He I, I I don't even have any records that I could locate of any music, solo music from him. Correct me out there if I'm wrong. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pause real quick. And I'm just going to double check before I say that. Be right back. Huh. All right, I'm back, y'all. And I had to double check. Just because when it comes to this type of information that you are sharing as a podcaster, you know, you just want to be accurate, right? But it's out there. So I'm not exaggerating by far. But um, no, I can't find any music, any solo music from Russell Neal. So it leads me to believe once again, in my opinion, that he thought he was going to have a successful solo career or even just being affiliated with the group. Like, Hey, I was in high five that other people was going to give him, you know, an opportunity or, or a shot. But in reality, when you think of high five, you really think of Tony Thompson. He was the lead singer, you know. New edition, you thought of Ronnie Bobby, Ricky Mike, Johnny Gill, Ralph Tresvent, Bobby Brown. Like, you think of the others, right? But um, with high five, and I'm not dissing the other members, also, they were kind of interchangeable throughout the years. So the main steady face that you always will remember would be Tony Thompson up until that you know to the time of his passing so with that being said I was like yeah you know I don't really remember him having a solo career and it would make sense why people really didn't take a you know bet on him with a solo career because he didn't stand out in the group in the first place so with that being said I think he kind of I don't know like I don't know what he did, so I don't want to lie and say he did whatever. But bring it up to present day to, like, mid-2000s. So he basically was still doing his thing because he had, like, a new Cadillac. He was, you know, still flossing in the club, still getting his VIP treatment off of his high five days. People knew who he was in his hometown anyway or where he lived in Texas. So he was still be able, was able to, like you know, get, get a little bit off of the, um, VIP off of the celebrity status off of his old group high five. So it was enough for him to pull a beautiful Latina woman named Catherine Martinez, who was, um, a fitness trainer. She was into boxing. She was a fitness model. She was a dancer. And she also danced in the clubs which is where he met her and so they formed a relationship they had two beautiful sons and they ultimately got married her family tried to tell her like hey look i'm not impressed yes he was a you know a boy band kid singer but he has not done nothing since then to for you to be so impressed like you're a nice young girl this man is like double your age nah Go live your life. So this is like what her family was telling her. I'm paraphrasing, but you get the gist. And you know, she was kind of, you know, smitten with him. She was like, I uh, maybe I'm telling you the songs itself, I don't care what age you are, the songs will make you fall in love with them. I get it. And then he probably was doing enough to impress her in, in the beginning, because we already know how it is, but the court in the beginning is beautiful before the band aid is ripped off. <laughs> so, um yeah, I'm pretty sure they had a couple of good years there, and they had two children out of that situation. However, as her career started to take off and his career started to decline, it clearly became some sense of jealousy there, right? It became abuse, um, a lot of violence in the home. She, you know, her family said that she would wear makeup to cover up, and she was, you know, trying to get money, but get away from him. But she was also the main breadwinner. So she was trying to keep him there to be with the kids. And I, like, but well, that's the kid's father, that type of scenario. So he was abusive to her. Now he did something where he kind of like really, I, I don't know, was extremely violent. And she said, you know, this is the last straw. I'm leaving. So she leaves and she goes to her parents' house. She's like, that's it. I'm done. I'm moving out. He hit her with whatever line worked between them because I understand, you know, everyone relationship is different. We could sit here on the outside and look all day and be like, oh, good girl, you left him or good girl, you stay. Like we can give our opinions all day, but we don't know until it happens to you. So in her situation, whatever happened, and she also probably felt like I have two kids for him. I'm going to have to deal with him for the next at least 18 years, right? So she said, I'm going to go talk with him, maybe reconcile, I don't know. But when I say, and I'm kind of happy I don't have, like, visuals yet because I wouldn't want to share this. But if you can clearly go on YouTube, you can look up all those true crime, you know, episodes or just, you know, Google Catherine Martinez, Russell Neal, a video or two, or episode or two for investigative discovery will pop up. I actually seen one recently you know, actually, I go back. I think I told you guys at the beginning of this episode that it was YouTube that got me, in, you know, unmotivated enough to do this episode that we're doing today. But it was actually Investigative Discovery. I haven't even watched Investigative Discovery in like really and truly since the pandemic pandemic started because as you could see on this episode uh, on this podcast here I kind of share with you guys what I've been watching what I cook what I eat where I go and all points in between and I haven't really been on the true crime unless it's been something I've come across on YouTube and then I would dig deeper but this I stand corrected I actually saw it was an episode called death by fame And, um, good series, by the way, too. And that's why I said, okay, I'll watch this because this is celebrity stuff. It's something a little bit different than like the, what they hit you with all the time. Right. And they had an episode about Russell Neal and Catherine, Catherine Martinez and what happened to her. Very, very sad, very beautiful girl. Her family talks about it in detail. So I'm not going to go into all of the goriness, but I will say this, um, he, to me, based on looking at the crime scenes, based on looking at everything, it was premeditated. Okay? He had a crazy tire jack duct taped up. Like, who the F sits there, duct tapes a tire, a heavy ass tire jack that could lift up a car? And what kind of rage are you in that you're swinging at, at someone? So I'm not going to go into all of that, you know, details or whatever. But those are questions I have. Like, what the, you know, so crime of passion, yeah. Anger, yeah. But insanity, no. You knew what the hell you was doing. You planned it. You got her to come over there and you killed that young woman. And it was very sad. And she was only 24 years old. 24. Now, um, let me see. Yeah, so I just had to look it up real quick. He was 40 at the time that he committed this crime, and she was 24, a 16-year age difference. So literally, he was in high five singing about the kissing game when this girl was born just to give you a little perspective there. And to me, um, you know, there's a lot of podcasters and bloggers that go down that road of like men versus women. And I tried not to feed that divide because I feel like we need each other, especially in the black community. Black men need black women, vice versa. Black women need black men and the children need both of us. So I'm not gonna entertain or feed the divide. But I will say this, the one thing that kind of, irks me is it's almost like predatorial you're 40 like you're legit 10 years away from 50 and you skip over a 35 year old you skip over a 30 year old and you skip over a 25 year old to mess with a girl that's 24 and you had two kids with her and the kids the oldest one at the time looked about five six at least so you've been messing with this girl since she was a teenager crime on top of crime on top of crime and young girls this is another lesson don't because you know to me I feel like and I used to feel like that when I was young and them old you know dudes used to be trying to holler at me I'm like 1920 and these dudes are like 43 like are you serious sir you're my uncle's age. And it used to be so hot when I used to say that. I'm like, nah, that should let you feel like the creep you are. You're my uncle's age. But like young girls, young women, I just say, take some discernment, right? Going forward. And when you see a guy that's like, hitting the double decades on the age difference on you and they're trying to holler at you you got to go look in their background and be like why don't you have a woman your age why don't you like a woman your age and don't fall for the bullshit like oh they're old they don't want to do nothing because you can go online and you can see women of their age or even older that take great care of themselves. They um, are still having babies in some cases, and they're healthy and they're prospering, right? But that's why they're not going after those women. They're going after women that are younger, hopefully less, you know, less experienced, naive, you know, kind of willing to believe the bullshit and you flash a couple of dollars and buy you a a meal at a semi fancy restaurant and I'm in the sack versus really having to do the work on yourself and on the relationship in order for it to work, right? And when you're an adult, like, when you're a mature woman, you're like, yo, I've been through all of that. Like, I could take myself to Ocean Prime. I can um fly myself to Jamaica and do a solo trip, you know, at a five-star, you know, villa and have peace of mind. So I don't need a man you know what I'm saying? And I'm, I know sound like, Oh, there you go with that bullshit. Everyone needs companions. I'm not saying you don't. But then it's like, it has to be a mutual, you know, mutual coming of people together is what I'm saying, right. And I think that um, those guys that like, Oh, I want a younger girl, I, I, I'm seeking them out. It's a control thing. It's a insecurity thing on their part. And it's definitely something fucking mental. Like, you you're not comprehending on the wavelength that you should be on, so you wanna dial it down a notch and tune into a couple of lower frequencies and hoping that in hopes that you can dominate on a lower level. And I hope I made sense and if it went over your head, it wasn't for you. But um that's what I feel about that. I feel like um I'm sorry, I just went into a rant about that big ass age difference. But that says a lot for me in 2023, looking at this story that happened in 2014. He was um still trying to hold on to a lifestyle that he was not able to maintain. He was still trying to hold on to the heyday of his youth. And with the heyday of his youth was a certain age range of women that was attached to that, right? So it was like anywhere between 14 to 25, Right. That within that group. And at the time when they were out, I was in that age range. You know, my aunt was in that age range. My cousins, my besties, like we were in that age range. Guess what now? They were young. Some cases they're dealing with girls as young as 14. In some cases they're dealing with girls as old as 25 and they're 15. They're 16. That does something to a young man's mental and psyche. So now he's 40. He doesn't see nothing wrong with dating a girl significantly younger than him because, hey, you know, it was done to me. I had me a couple of older girls when I was that age. So I'm going to go back to that age pool and pull me one. Can't tell me he didn't get her when she was at least 16, 17, maybe just turning 18 for her to have two kids with him and passed away at 24. But anyway, so, um, And it also kind of leads me to believe, like, that makes more sense when the mother was like, oh, she was so impressed because, you know, he was famous and everybody knew him. And she was like, girl, don't nobody know him no more. He's not famous no more. That was the mother being real, like, he's still trying to live off of, you know, when he was 15 or 16. This man's 40 years old, trying to holler at you. You know, like, the the writing was on the wall, red flags everywhere. But, um, that probably wasn't even the biggest red flag for them. But then I wonder, like, did they not know about this? Because that's something to me, too. But, um, so yeah, long story short, let me kind of finish that part out to go into 2010, which is still affiliated with Russell Neal. But, um, yeah, so he murdered his wife, he went to the precinct, fully dressed, clean-shaven, smelling good, like, he's about to do a press conference or some shit, and he turns himself in, he's very articulate, he's very, you know, like, kind of, um, calculating, like, he knew what he was gonna do, he practiced it, he was prepared, that's the vibe that he gives during the whole situation, so then, um, you know, the people like, wait, what? So you, you had a fight and okay. So they didn't really like arrest him right away. Cause they were like the way he turned himself in the way he's kind of like, maybe it was a fight and something happened and he, an accident. When they got to that house, they said it was one of the goriest crime scenes ever. They said, the way that tire iron, that tire thing was duct taped up. It told them all they needed to know that happened in that house. And, um, it wasn't good. And he, his two sons were there and he locked them in the room. And one of them came out and actually saw the goriness. And he still had traumatic nightmares, of course, after that. So sad all around, sad all around. But, um, What makes it more interesting to me, and I'm saying like, hey, side note, did this girl, did her family not know about his brother Ronald from 2010? So Ronald Neal, who was not in High Five, but he definitely reaped the benefits of his older brother being in the group. He was a younger brother. I guess It must, whatever it was, he was successful enough to the point that he even reaped the benefits of being, you know, oh, my brother was a high five. And that was like their claim to fame, you know, both of them. So when you hear like people, when you hear like character talk, like, you know, like people talking about their character, you hear them saying both brothers walked around like they were stuck up, like they were, they thought they were better than people um, conceited and they would always remind people like, Hey, you know, I was in a high five and the other one would be like, Hey, my brother was in a high five. So they had some weird sense of entitlement, you know, going on with the, both of them, both of them killed the, their wives in front of their children. And the crazy thing is the younger brother did it first. So Ronald, who is Russell's younger brother? Did it when he was 32 years old in 2010. And he killed his wife. And forgive me if I incorrectly pronounce the name, but I think it's Stovigny McGee. But you can Google all of this on the internet. This is facts, and it's crazy, and it's tragic. Because to me, I feel like it had to be definite red flags there. And for both of the brothers to act like this and to commit similar crimes leads me to believe there was some degree of dysfunctionality in their home. So when you look online, um, you can't find anything about their parents. I see that their parents were married for over 50 years they lived in the same house since 1989. And um, I believe his mother passed away in 2018. So four years after, you know, her son, her youngest son, excuse me. Four years after her oldest son committed his heinous crime and eight years after his young, her younger son committed his heinous crime she passed away and you know she passed away with a broken heart because like what the fuck but um something was there so they also complained how the victim Catherine Martinez's family complained how the mother Russell's mother had custody of the kids after Catherine was killed and Russell was out on bail and she still was Allowing the kids to see their father, regardless of the court ordered, like, hey, he cannot be around the kids. She still was traumatizing him further by letting the father see them. And that's when, you know, Child Protective Service stepped in and said, hey, we got to take him away. That's very telling for me because I said she's an enabler. She is an enabler. Has to be. Because, um... Who does that? First of all, I would be like, yo, those kids don't even need to be over here because you over here and, you know, I can't get rid of you, per se, because you my kid, but nah, we're not going to put them through that. That would be me as my first, you know, as a grandma. Like, nah, this ain't going down. And I would ultimately hope and pray that as time go on that I can build a bridge of repair, you know, with catherine's family so that way at least as a grandmother and as a grandfather we can be some type of good on the paternal side of the family for those kids and they won't have always just like a bad taste in their mouth or even a hate for the entire neil side of the family because of what they what their father did to their mother but no instead she brought him around and able to hold mayhem and it was kind of sad because now, you know, she's no longer, I don't know, because time go on, I'm not here to say like if she wasn't able to see them or not, but the Child Protective Services felt like that wasn't where they needed to be after that and removed them and moved them to Catherine's family, which I think is where they should have been in the first place. So my opinion, but anyway, so it says a lot though, just because a woman is with a man for so many years does not mean that there's not abuse being tolerated, I guess, or you know, like you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's crazy. And it's so many different forms of abuse, right? Sad to say, there could be mental abuse where they like just control them. Like you can't have friends. You can't be on the phone. Like you can't go out. Like, you know what I'm saying? Have my dinner on the table at seven o'clock or is your ass. Like you know what I'm saying? Like that type of control where you, they can't be around family. They can't have no outside influences. Then they have that type of abuse where it's violence, you know? But to me, I feel like the abuse had something to do with their mother. I don't know, you know, if she was the abuser or she was being abused or if she was the one encouraging the abuse, I don't know. Like I can't call it, right? I'm not here to call it. But I feel like it's, whatever it is, it's definitely connected to their mother. So, in my opinion, and this is just scenarios I'm throwing out there, it could be either A, they witnessed their father beat the shit out their mother since they were born, you know? And that old school love was like that the, the old black man would beat the shit up their wife then go home then leave the home create a whole new family and be juggling two families now like and you don't, across town and they didn't even know you had a brother and a sister across town and there's four of y'all the whole time you think it's two you see it all the time you see it all the time in black families i'm pretty sure not just black families but i could just speak about the community that i've been exposed to You know, so you see those stories, you're like, what? This is mayhem. So, you know, I don't know if it was something like that. Like, did he just abuse her and just threw them to the wayside? Did he get her at a young age? You know what I'm saying? Was there a significant age difference between the two of them? Or was she the tyrant and the way that they abused women was their way of, you know, taking it out, you know, like the abuse that they received from their mother And he took it out under their significant others. I am not in any way trying to make um, light of it or an excuse of it. I'm really honestly just trying to understand it because how the heck that two brothers that grew up in the same house go to jail for the exact same crime? Four years apart, two different victims... That's crazy. So to me, I feel like it has something to do with their upbringing. It has something to do with their mother. And in the end, to see how, you know, Catherine's family really was like disgusted with the way the mother was like enabling him still after the violent crime further lets us know that it was definitely She was an influential woman on her sons and it may not have been to the best. And maybe it was a thing that she was abused by her son. So for example, you've seen that where like, say kids are little, they throw temper tantrums and you don't fix it, right? You don't reprimand it. You don't nip it in the bud. These children that throw temper tantrums grow up to be adults That throw temper tantrums, and sometimes those tantrums are not just falling on the floor and hurting themselves. They're like, you know what, I'm going to hurt you because you're not giving me what I want, you know? So it could have been a thing that she enabled them from a youth, from from birth, like they were spoiled. She gave them whatever they want. You know, as they got older, she they became famous. So they was like, well, they could do whatever they want. And then as they got older, it was just never a parental threshold there. And maybe when she tried to put her foot down, they became violent with her. And she was like, well, I'm not going to get my ass whipped by my son, so... Y'all go out there, and she enabled them to do whatever just so she don't be the subject. It could be so many different scenarios, I don't know. But to me, I thought that was so crazy. And that's, and this is not all of the tragedies. So, like, for example, Tristan, like I mentioned him earlier, and I, I, forgive me, I don't have his last name, but um, he was shot in as a bystander outside of a club, I want to say, like, in Connecticut or New York. Like as an adult, he survived and he, that was a wake up call for him to say, you know, I'm gonna change my life around. I'm gonna do things differently. Um, So that's what I'm saying. There was a couple of other things that happened there, but like for the most part, Tristan was a victim, you know, like even Tony Thompson, it wasn't a crime. It was tragic though. So I wanted to mention it. And also he was the lead singer. So it kind of like, if you don't mention what happened to the lead singer, that's kind of like what are you doing? But, um, his per se really wasn't a crime. You know, it was a crime against himself. Of course, doing drugs is still a crime, but, um, yeah, that was more of a tragic loss, but Russell and his fucking brother, Ronald, oh my God, that's tragic and crazy and a whole bunch of layers that, I don't know. I still feel like there should be some type of in- get investigative like journalist that goes to Waco and interview people and get like some insight into the family. I bet you we would find something else interesting out about them. You know, because there's no way two brothers just 4 years apart like that. And then the first brother, well not the well Ronald cause he was a, committed his crime first in 2010. He attempted to plead insanity, but it didn't work. And he turned around to plead guilty. And he got 82 years in jail. Now, the second brother, Russell, the singer from high five, he too pled insanity and was able to actually receive a insanity deal so he's in a mental hospital indefinitely but you know what they say they say it's not a pretty trip like you know you could be oh he's in a mental hospital he's chilling he could just do what he want to do no they're doping you up with drugs so basically if you are not crazy and you want to pretend you are by the time the mental hospital is done with you you will be crazy so they're going to get their money's worth out of you so Either way, it's a punishment that I wouldn't wish on anyone, and um, ultimately, I feel like he kind of got off light still, because the way he planned that girl's demise, you could just look at that whole house, and then you left your kids in there, you took a shower, you got dressed, smelling all good, putting on cologne, and going down to the police station, like, you're about to do a press release for your latest album or some shit, like, it was crazy, but, um, to me, you can't tell me that it's not something that's directly stemming from their upbringing, you know, I don't don't know what it was, but, um, that would be a really awesome thing to do, like, uh, in-depth investigative journalism. Like, I would love for someone to tell me or give me some insight into the family. Are there no cousins out there that was like, yo, dude, here, my uncle used to whip my aunt's ass in front of the kids. Like, something happened. I'm not saying that's what it is, but something happened that made these two individuals snap and also looked at, made them look at their significant other as, like, basically prey, like, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna kill you, like, who the fuck does that, I don't know, and kind of plan it, because both of them planted mayhem, but anyway, you know, this is so terrible, because I'm trying to keep the same format a little bit, it's a little different, because like I said, this is my urban crime series, but I still, because, um, if it's a musician, if it's a mus, are they are a musical artist? I should say, I will include a song from them. So you know, I have a couple that I'm going to touch on for the first couple of episodes, and they will be musicians because you know I am a musician as well. So, like I said, their biggest hit was the Kissing Game. So I'm gonna leave you guys with the Kissing Game. Don't think of Russell or Ronald when you think of you know this, and that's why I was like, I feel so bad to end with them, and then to transition into the kissing game. But think of Tony, you know, Tony Thompson, who was a really talented individual, and um, he was the light of the group. And despite the tragic demise that he experienced as well you know this is an opportunity for his kids to eat so that's why I look at it like you know hopefully me playing the song will the royalties will go to the right place right so until next time y'all I'm Colleen as you all know this is the podcast she can talk to podcast however today's episode is a sub series episode basically call the urban celebrity crime series episode 1 high five hope you guys enjoyed it i'm going to leave you with the song the kissing game by the group once again um my my stuff ain't going to never change. You got to love yourself before you can love me or anyone else. You hear these type of mayhem and madness stories. We need more love out there in the world. Okay. So spread that love. Get that love. All right. And until next time, y'all, y'all be safe and um stay blessed. Peace.